Well, our text is Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Let me read it for us again as a reminder of what we saw this morning. And then we will spend uh, our time tonight thinking along the line of implications of what we saw this morning. Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. This morning we saw that though the image of God has become greatly distorted and twisted in us because of mankind's fall into sin, all human beings still bear the image of God. A broken image is still an image. And we also noted that because human beings continue to bear the image of God, there is therefore a common dignity shared by all people, which deserves our respect. We should not treat other human beings with dishonor because God has given them honor. God has given human beings a special worth. If you turn a couple pages over with me, turn to Genesis 9, verse 6. This is a passage I quoted this morning. I want you to see it for yourself. This is our God speaking to Noah after the flood. He comes to Noah. Noah and his family are about to repopulate the earth. And God establishes this principle with Noah. Genesis 9, verse 6. Whoever sheds the blood of man... By man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. This verse clearly teaches the sanctity of human life. It is immoral to take the life of another person because that person was created in God's image. Human beings are precious and valuable, not in and of themselves, but because of the God whose image they bear. Our God is precious and valuable, and therefore as those who bear His image, we also are precious and valuable. Our worth as human beings are derived from His worth, just as a common baseball skyrockets in value when the right signature is written across it. So also our dignity as a part of God's creation is greatly increased because His name, His stamp, His image is upon us. Our value as human beings is secondary and dependent upon His value He is infinitely worthy, therefore, as His images, we have great worth as well. Now, that's the basic truth, but it has many implications for some of the most pressing ethical issues of our day. And in our culture, I know the first that comes to mind to many is the issue of abortion. 
As Christians, we must affirm that all human life is precious and valuable and that God's image does not suddenly come upon us after we are born. Rather, a baby inside its mother's womb is just as much a baby as when it is outside the mother's womb. Those who make their living in the business of performing abortions, killing those who bear the image of God in the womb, will have much to answer for to God. And it is a sad commentary on our society that not only abortions happen, but today they happen with relative ease and convenience, and that for some it has become a lucrative business. This is a failure to honor the dignity of human life. Another ethical issue that our attention is drawn to, particularly in Genesis 9-6, is that of the death penalty. Right? How does the dignity of all human beings affect our thinking on the issue of a death penalty? And some would argue that when we are dealing with the crime of murder... The dignity of all men implies that we should never deliver a sentence of death upon the guilty person. They would argue that if we give someone the death penalty, that is, not we as individuals, but as an expression of the arm of, of the government, if a judge or jury issues a death sentence, these people would say that we are no better than the murderer himself because we are failing to honor the value of human life. The problem with this is that Genesis 9-6 clearly contradicts that, doesn't it? It clearly says that those who murder, and we can assume here that we're talking about a a planned, voluntary, intentional murder, God, God declares that murderers should be put to death because all human life is valuable. The death penalty, when properly issued, is a protective of human dignity. The steep penalty of death for the crime of murder is meant to express the great seriousness of that crime and therefore the seriousness of taking a human life. The death penalty has been issued in order to ensure that we understand that human life is valuable and not to be taken lightly. But these are just two examples of many ethical issues being discussed in our day. There are so many issues that we could touch upon. Arguments in our country are raging over euthanasia, embryonic stem cell research, human cloning, and many more. And our views on these and other ethical questions must be guided by the truths we find taught in the Word of God. And that includes this truth, that human life is precious life. Once the dignity of human life has been lost in a society, the door is open to a thousand evils that will ultimately destroy that society. Human beings are regents. Just as Pharaoh made Joseph his second in command in the kingdom and entrusted To Joseph's care, all the people and the land and the resources of Egypt, so God has made us His regent. He has placed all of His earth under our care, under our stewardship. 
When Joseph gave an order, it was understood that he represented Pharaoh, that Pharaoh's authority was behind him. If an Egyptian citizen had attacked Joseph, the offense would not only have been against Joseph, but against Pharaoh himself. Well, that's just an illustration of the truth that when we dishonor God's representatives on this earth, when we dishonor God's regents on this earth, when we dishonor another human being, we dishonor God. Amen. The pagans of the ancient world worshipped their gods by serving the images of those gods. You remember us talking about the ram this morning and how a pagan family might worship the god that ram represented via the idol. They would maybe burn incense before the idol, make a sacrifice before the idol. But the point is that they worshipped that god by worshipping its image. Well, in a very similar way, we are called to worship our God by serving those who bear His image. This principle of serving God via serving His images is a true and biblically based principle. Paganism is just a distortion of it. It is Satan's version of a very godly thing. God Himself has called us to serve Him and love Him via His images. Jesus said, Truly I say it to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. The worship of our God includes a vertical element. The first table of the law, the first four commandments are all about ways that we worship God directly. We worship God by honoring Him and Him alone as our God. We worship God by not making images of Him with our hands. We worship God by treating His name with reverence and with fear. We worship God by orienting our lives around His Sabbath day and putting aside other things on that day to think on Him and to fellowship with Him in a unique way. There is a vertical element to our worship, but God's worship also includes a horizontal element. There is a way that we worship our God horizontally in our relationships with other people. We honor God when we honor our parents and treat them with respect. We honor God and show how much we cherish Him when we cherish the lives of our fellow men. We communicate our love for God's purity and God's holiness when we refrain from sexual immorality, when we refuse to steal but rather content ourselves with what we can obtain righteously, we express our faith that God will provide all we need. When we speak truthfully to one another, we are not only doing one another good, but we are honoring the God who never lies. And when we do not covet, we express our contentment with God's lot for our lives. Not coveting reveals a heart of humble submission to God. So you see, our worship of God includes a a vertical element, but also a horizontal element. We serve our God via the way we relate to those who bear His image on this earth. There is a very real sense 
in which part of the way that we obey the greatest commandment is by obeying the second greatest commandment. One of the ways, it's not the total, it's not the sum of it, but part of the way that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength is by loving our neighbor as ourselves. One passage that is very clear about this, I mentioned it this morning, I want you to see it. Look at James 3 with me. James chapter 3. It's New Testament, of course. After the book of Hebrews, James chapter 3. And we're going to see this truth clearly taught here. James 3, beginning in verse 8. Beginning in the middle of verse 8. In the middle of verse 8. Speaking of the tongue, it is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Do you see the irony that James is pointing out? How can you bless God while cursing those who bear His likeness? How can we use our tongues to praise the glorious attributes of our Maker while cursing those who bear the representation of those attributes here on earth? It is hypocrisy. Do we not understand that when we curse those who bear God's image, we curse the God they represent? The converse is also true. When we bless those who bear God's image... We bless God Himself. This understanding, and this is very big and very important, this understanding that man was created in the image of God and therefore we serve God via our love for one another is at the very basis of all our human ethical questions. How we treat one another each and every day is built upon this. What you think about God will show itself in how you relate to other people. If you love God, if you have a deep reverence for God in your heart, then you will care for those who represent Him on this earth, even those who represent Him badly. Sometimes when we think about the President of the United States, as time goes, sometimes there are presidents that we favor, that we say, I, I voted for that one. He's a good one. And sometimes there are presidents in office that we, that we don't like so much. We didn't vote for him. He, he's not our choice. I, I wish he wouldn't do those things. Nevertheless, we affirm there is a dignity to the office, don't we? So that even if we do not approve of the man who holds that office, we treat that office with respect. Well, so also the office of image bearer, of being one who exercises dominion over the earth as appointed by God, a human being bears an office of dignity so that even those who misuse the office terribly are still to be treated with respect. What does this mean practically? It means a lot. We'll just talk a little bit. We begin this way. 
One application is this. As Christians, we should care for even the poorest and the weakest of society. All people bear God's image. Even those whom society discards or tramples. We must not be found guilty of the kind of partiality that characterizes so many in our world. The poor, the crippled, the mentally ill, the hungry, these are no less bearers of God's image than we ourselves. And the command to love our neighbors includes these. The Bible affirms this over and over again. Isaiah 1.17 Learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. James one twenty seven, just a, a chapter over. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep, one's, keep oneself unstained from the world. When we fail to care for those who need it most, we dishonor the one who made them, who loves them, and whose image they bear. How are you doing? How are you doing in showing love to those in downtown Rocky Mount? To those in our own city who are maybe not where we are economically. Maybe not in our social class. second thing we can say is that since all people bear the image of God, this implies that even the most depraved and wicked of men still bear some representation of God despite their corruption and perversion. Hitler, Stalin, Robert Mugabe, every other great sinner still has underneath all of that corruption an inherent dignity given to them by God. They are human, though their behavior is inhumane. Do men like those deserve death for their actions? Absolutely. But their dignity as human beings remains. And therefore, we need to remember that even those who are our enemies, even those who oppose us or cause us harm, bear God's image. This is part of why we are called to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. It is ironic that even those who curse the name of God bear His image and don't even know it. It is ironic that the God that many oppose is the God who gives their own lives worth and dignity. We as Christians are therefore called to love all human beings, no matter how evil, no matter how wicked they may seem, no matter what they've done to us, no matter how badly they've hurt us, we are called to love all human beings and to never take revenge on those who harm us. Joseph was Pharaoh's regent. Had Joseph 
made a mess of his office, had Joseph abused his office, who would have had the authority to bring judgment on Joseph? The citizens? Pharaoh. It was Pharaoh who placed Joseph in that position. It was Pharaoh to whom he was accountable. Similarly, God alone has given to every man, woman, and child their responsibility to honor him with their lives. And he alone is the one to whom they must ultimately answer. Christ is the one appointed by God to judge man, not us. Now, certainly, hear this, Certainly, sometimes Christ chooses to execute some measure of His judgment on sinners through government, through the courtroom, through sentences. The judge does have the right to judge. (laughs) But we as individual Christians, as individual human beings do not. We are called to love. As individual Christians, we are to recognize and honor Christ's rightful place as judge and to accept our own responsibility to leave the judgment to Him and to show compassion to all who bear His image, no matter how corrupt they may be. Listen to these two Proverbs. Proverbs twenty four seventeen. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Or Proverbs 25, 21. 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. These commands to show love to our enemies have their roots in this doctrine that even they still bear the image of God. There is a dignity that they have and when we love our enemies, we worship our God. Third application. The dignity of all mankind as God's image bears implies that racism is evil. Racism is evil. Because Genesis 1, 26 and 27, particularly verse 27, says all men were created in the image of God. Right? Male and female. Isn't that meant to include all of them? Everybody? Because all men were created in God's image, one race of men must not be exalted as more noble, as having more dignity than another race of men. In fact, as we will note later in the book of Genesis, there is really only one race, the human race. There are different cultures. There are different ethnicities. There are different skin colors. There are different languages. But there is only one race. We all come from Adam. We all bear the image of God. Go down the family tree far enough and we're all connected and related. When you see someone who looks different from you, who speaks another language, who has another skin color, who comes from a different um, culture than you, remember that you still have more in common with that person than you have different. 
you are more alike than you are different regardless of how it may appear at first. You were both created by the same God for the same purpose to glorify Him. You both come from the lineage of Adam. You both bear God's image. You both have been affected by the fall and are sinners in need of grace. You both can be saved by the same Savior and dwelt by the same Spirit, headed towards the same paradise. There is only one God and there is one race of image bearers, the human race, and all share a common dignity. Therefore, racism is a great evil and it ought not to characterize a child of God. Let it not characterize any of us. Test your words. Test your thoughts. Another application. If all men bear the image of God, then sexism is evil. Genesis one twenty seven clearly says both male and female were created in the image of God. And this is important because it indicates that God did choose to create two types of man one called male, one called female. So he chose for there to be differences between them, distinctions between men and women. There are differences in the physical makeup of men and women. There are differences in their instincts, differences in their inclinations, differences in their attributes and the roles they are to fulfill. But as God's image bearers, I'm sorry, as God's image bearers, men are to express certain attributes of God more distinctly than women, and women are to express other attributes of God more distinctly than men. There's a complementarian uh, nature to this. Nevertheless, both men and women derive their inherent worth from God. They both bear God's image. They both represent Him on this earth. And those who deem one gender as having greater value than another commit sin. Now, most often, it is women who are more shamefully treated and more often dishonored, isn't it? Time and again, throughout all of human history, the God-given dignity of women has been ignored. Once we understand that a woman's worth is rooted in her special creation as a bearer of God's image, we can begin to understand how misguided our own culture has become. It ought to be heartbreaking to us to see the way our society continues to cultivate a worldview which says that women are only as valuable as what men can get from them. In our culture, a woman's sex appeal is often treated as the most important thing about her. If you don't believe me, watch any television show at prime time on just about any channel and see what, what makes for a, 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 a woman on those shows. What is particularly sad is that so many young girls have bought into this worldview and therefore they dress in improper ways, they do improper things in order to find approval, in order to find love from young men. We need to remind women as well as men that their worth is derived from God. There is an inherent dignity that we all share. All people should respect one another, whether they're male or female, old or young, rich or poor. And men who do not treat women with respect fail to worship God as they ought. 
And conversely, men who go the extra mile to honor the women around them, caring for their wives, their mothers, their sisters, their daughters, their sisters in Christ, worship God by the way they honor the ladies around them. Consider again Adam and Eve bearing God's image perfectly in the garden. Adam and Eve worshipped their God in their own relationship to one another. Adam served God by loving and caring for Eve. Eve served God by loving and being a helper to Adam. The first couple communicated their love to God by rejoicing in one another, by loving one another, by honoring one another as gifts from God. Each was a reminder to the other of the goodness of God. Well, today, through Jesus, we are called upon to worship God by having appropriate relationships of love and respect with those of the opposite sex. Men should honor God by treating women as precious gifts to be provided for, protected, nourished, and loved. And women should honor God by submitting to the service of men around them, following their leadership when it is godly. But we are not to value one sex above another. Let me just add this point. Those cultures and those nations that esteem baby boys as more desirable than baby girls do so contrary to the Word of God. And yet it's amazing how prevalent that is, particularly in Asia, isn't it? Well, we should also note that God has created each and every human being to be different. There are no two people exactly the same, and therefore every human being bears the image of God in a little different way than everybody else. God has designed each of us, giving us our bodies, our minds, our natural talents, and our abilities. He has made us as He desires us to be. Listen to this. We ought not to try and alter the basic framework God has given us to bear His image. And this is particularly true when it comes to gender. Let me say something very basic. If God has made you to bear His image as a man, be a man if God has called you to bear His image as a woman, if that's what He has made you to be, be a woman. We live in a day of sex change surgeries. We live in a day where men dress as women and women dress as men. We live in a day of transgenderism. All of this is contrary to the will of God. He has the right to decide who we are going to be to bear His image. If He's made us a man, be a man. If He's made us a woman, be a woman. That's His prerogative. It is not, as some would say in our day, a choice you get to make at some point in your life which gender you want to be. Shameful the preacher even has to say that, isn't it? But we do. This leads us to another point, namely, that we should recognize the dignity of ourselves as God's image bearers and should treat ourselves accordingly. We've talked about how we treat others, but if you're created in the image of God, you ought to treat yourself with respect. When we think of ourselves as worthless, when we devalue ourselves in the eyes of others, we sin. It, listen, it is not humility to treat yourself as insignificant. Now, I'm no fan of the self-esteem Movement, Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. Paul 
in 2 Corinthians 12, 11 says that he is nothing. When Paul says that, what he means is that he is nothing in and of himself. And this is true. Apart from God, we are nothing. You ought to be able to say, I am nothing. But at the same time you say that, you need to be able to say, because of God, I have value. Because of God, I have significance. Because of God, I have worth. Apart from God, no worth. But I have God. And therefore, I have value. He has made me a human being, and I bear His image. Our boasting must be in God, but it does not change the fact that we should respect the preciousness of the life God has given us. Our lives have worth, and we should treat ourselves that way, which means we should not be reckless with our bodies. And we should not be reckless with our souls. We should care for the body that God has given us. We should care for the soul that God has given us. We should see to it that our bodies are properly nourished and kept in the best shape possible. We should also see to it that our souls are properly nourished and kept in the best shape possible. When possible, we should keep our bodies out of physical danger. When possible, we should keep our souls out of spiritual danger. To show a lack of regard for your own life is to disregard the special nobility God has given you as a human being. Tragically, sometimes we will learn of a person who has done terrible things to himself or herself. There are those who have chosen to commit acts of self-mutilation, somehow finding satisfaction in cutting themselves, damaging their bodies in some way. Occasionally we'll hear of somebody who committed suicide or attempted suicide. I want to be very clear. Just as it is wrong to treat another human being with dishonor, so it is wrong to treat yourself with dishonor. When you treat your own body in a shameful way, you dishonor the God whose image you bear. Well, so far, we've been talking about the dignity of human life that we have as a consequence of bearing God's image. Now, I'm going to end our thinking on the image of God by making two other very quick points. First, I want you to turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. I want to suggest to you that as God's image bearer, that one of the reasons we bear God's image is is to remind us that it is a reminder that we belong to Him and that He deserves our service and worship. Matthew 22, look with me at verse 20. This is the account where the Pharisees came to Jesus and asked Him the question about whether or not it's lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. And beginning in verse 20, Jesus has already asked to see the coin for the tax. In verse 20, he says, And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness, there's there's that word, likeness, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Just as that coin 
bore the likeness of Caesar and therefore was to be rendered to Caesar. If we as human beings bear the likeness of God, then we ought to render to God what is God's. You were created to serve God. We were created to find our joy in that. We were created to find our purpose and fulfillment in that. Your identity, who you are, should be wrapped up in this truth. I exist to serve God. I exist for Him. We bear His stamp. We, we bear the seal that we belong to Him. His image on us is the evidence that we are His servants and that our purpose is to serve Him and worship Him with our lives in our own sinful natures. We, have, we are so often tempted to think that we will find our greatest joy when we can get others to serve us, when we can get others to praise us. But the truth is we were created to be worshipers. We, are, we were created to find our greatest happiness in being the one who worships and being the one who praises and being the one who, who gives the service. Paradise for Adam included living and working every day as a servant of God. Adam's highest joy was found in this. And when by God's grace we remember our place as a servant of God and we humble ourselves to fulfill that role, we come as close to the joy of paradise as we can come in this life. Do you exist, friends, to serve God? Does every other part of your life into that yes I work at Walmart but I work at Walmart for the glory of God does everything else I'm a parent I'm a grandparent I'm a great grandparent for the glory of God do you serve God through every aspect of your life the last point I want to make is this that man's creation in the image of God implies that we should love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because just as we serve God by serving those who bear His image, so we should supremely serve God by serving and loving the one who supremely bears God's image. The Lord Jesus Christ is the clearest expression of God. Jesus is the ultimate image of God. Colossians 1.15 calls Him the image of the invisible God. He is the fullness of God dwelling bodily. So just as the pagans worship their gods Via these images, we worship the true God through His true image, which is ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. Which means this, that all love and all worship and all praise that you want to give to your God must first be given through Jesus. We love the Father by loving the Son. We adore the Father by adoring the Son. We glorify the Father by glorifying the Son. We serve the Father by serving the Son. Every blessing that God has given to you came through Jesus. He is the mediator 
the one in the middle between us and God. Everything that God, every blessing that God has given to you and will ever give to you comes through Jesus Christ and every bit of worship and every bit of service and every bit of praise that we give back to the Father goes through the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) All right. Christ is the second Adam. The one who bears the image of God perfectly and in ways that we never will. Christ's dignity surpasses our dignity. His sanctity is greater than our sanctity. Christ, more than all others, deserves our honor and our love and our reverence. To Christ belongs glory and honor and dominion and power forever and ever. Amen? I'm going to stop. I'm about to choke. (coughs) All right. Last sentence. Let us therefore love God by loving Christ and those who bear His image. Are there any questions about anything that was preached this morning or this evening?